Hello and welcome to WexCast, the podcast series that delves into the multidisciplinary work of the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. I'm Melissa Starker, PR and Content Manager for the Wex. The first edition of our new film festival, Unorthodox, is a wrap. It was so great to see such an enthusiastic response from film lovers to a weekend of documentary screenings and visits from some incredibly talented artists in the field of nonfiction filmmaking. Among them was filmmaker and visual artist Jonathan Olszewski and editor Lindsay Oots, who helped Jonathan craft the award-winning new doc Quest from hundreds of hours of raw footage. Quest is a moving and remarkably intimate portrait of the Rainey family of Philadelphia, who allowed Jonathan to film them over the course of a decade. For this WexCast, we're sharing the discussion that took place immediately after our October 21st screening between Jonathan, Lindsay, and associate film video curator Chris Daltz. They chime in on how Jonathan's simple photo project about a hip-hop recording studio owner spiraled into a 10-year odyssey and was eventually shaped into one of the must-see films of 2017. In case you missed it, Quest will be rolling out to theaters nationwide starting December 1st, and more info on the film is available at quest-documentary.com. And now, here's Chris, Jonathan, and Lindsay. So one of the things that just is so overwhelming about the film is how it's this unusually intimate look into people's lives and people who are willing to share their lives in this way. Um, I know I wouldn't be willing to sign up for a film like that, and I doubt a lot of people are. Let's just start at the beginning and maybe tell me how you met the Rainey family and got to know them and how this this like crazy decade-long project started and how game they were for it. Well, yeah, it was interesting. So you introduced the film as like a labor of love. Um, and generally, you know, maybe audiences would think, oh, the director kind of was a labor of love on the part of the director. But I would say it was a labor of love on the part of the subjects, you know, um, in terms of them really initially just connecting to me, um, you know, supporting me through these like 10 years. And, um, and I really wish the Rainies were here because they'd also want to connect to you guys directly, not just through the screen, but in person. And um, they would invite all of you to come to Freestyle Friday if you're ever in Philadelphia. Um, but uh, and, and they really considered me one of their artists. So I was just like Price. I just happened to be a filmmaker version of Price. And like, all right, John, I want to support his art. And so we'll do this thing. And then the other side of it too, I think they wanted to be, they wanted to promote the studio. Um, they wanted to kind of promote their artists. Um, but they also sort of, because of the neighborhood they live in and the way the evening news kind of depicts the neighborhood, they felt like, you know, the complexity of who they were and what their neighborhood was about was sort of lost. Um, and they felt unseen or unheard, misunderstood, and I think participated in this. Um, because of that. And so the way we met was in, I kind of fell in love with North Philly before I'd even met them. Um, was doing some still photo projects, uh, which ended up leading to me teaching a photography class in their neighborhood, just a couple blocks away from their house. Um, and I was teaching uh, the class to grownups. One of my students happened to be this guy named James Rainey or JC. Um, and after class one day, he was like, you know, my brother runs a studio out of his house a couple blocks away. Do you want to meet him? And so I was like, Okay, sure, <laughs> whatever. Did not realize it was gonna totally change my life. Um, but we go, we knocked on the door, and Quest or Q opens up the door and sees me, and you know, we have a bit of an awkward initial interaction, but we ex exchanged business cards, 
And, you know, a couple weeks later, he emailed me and was like, hey, I'd love for you to come to the studio and take some photos of the guys while they're recording just so we can promote them better. And, um, and so I was like, sure, thinking it would be just a one-off kind of visit, hang out, give them a couple photos and move on with my life. Um, but just we really connected. There's another Pittsburgh connection. I, you guys may have noticed a lot of Steelers gear in the studio. But, you know, Quest grew up in the 70s. Eagles have never won a Super Bowl. Pittsburgh has won a handful at this point. So he grew up as a Steelers fan. I grew up in Pittsburgh. And so we were able to connect as artists. We were able to connect as Steelers fans. And, um, and also during that time, I was working construction, doing art on the side. And so when I heard about the paper route and the studio combo, I just sort of saw myself in that same you know, kind of dynamic. And so asked, like, hey, in addition to doing this studio photo stuff, could I do you know, some photography with you on your paper route and do a little photo essay of that? And so kind of just that led to me sleeping over the house to get up at 3 in the morning. Um, and then eventually we, uh, you know, we did this for a year and a half. I connected to the family and just started to feel that still photo wasn't the right medium to tell the story. I wanted to amplify their voices and kind of convey their experience from their point of view. And I felt like documentary would be a better way to do that. Had never made a documentary before. So fall of 2007, you know, we kind of started filming, um, thinking like, hey, let's just make this short little documentary. Um, and uh, it took a little longer than um, what I thought it would. So yeah, that's, there's more to say, but yeah, that's, a, that's how, it, how it all started. Yeah, well, you've got 10 years of footage. I have no idea how many hours worth. Pushing 400. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of formats, so it's hard to add it up, but right. yeah, about 400. So at one point, do you start editing it and looking at what you have or, or even sharing it with people? And when does Lindsay yeah. come in the project? Yeah. So, well, so we, you know, I had a version of the film in December 2007. But I just felt like it wasn't there. It wasn't reflecting what I'd experienced, you know? And so it was like, well, let's film for a little longer. And so 2008 comes around. And then, oh, there's this guy named Barack Obama running for president. It'd be cool to see that from this family's point of view. So it started that. And then, so over the years, I was doing, I was just editing by myself. Um, you know, at first, we would, you know, have versions of the film that I would show even locally in Philadelphia. The family would come. So they got used to seeing themselves up on screen pretty early on. And they kind of liked it. We were into it and got to talk about what we were doing together. And I would consider this a collaboration uh, with me and them um, from the very beginning. Um, but then, you know, again, like me editing, Lindsay has seen some of my cuts, you know, is like a little more experimental. Um, that goal of connecting viewers to the family maybe wasn't, I wasn't able to necessarily achieve that because I was too close to the material. I was already had my own memories. I was like, I could see you show anything and I'll have like an emotional response because I'm already connected. But you guys before two hours ago, you didn't have that connection. Um, and we needed to kind of build that into the structure of the film. So then years later, you know, it was, you know, eight years of no funding, just me doing this, you know, kind of passion project with this family. And then finally, you know, after much kind of struggle and uncertainty, some funding came through and brought Lindsay on to the project. Maybe you want to Talk about sure, your process. Yeah. Um, so, like John said, uh, he got some funding, and we had discussed working together on a, a work sample. And I always tease John that he interviewed me about like twenty times before he decided because he, you My know, first big grant. I didn't, it was like, his I first big grant. He had never, you know, never gotten money. He never imagined getting money in for this project. So. 
he was, um, you know, nervous about handing it over to somebody, and understandably so. I mean, he had been working for so many years by himself on this, and uh, and so yeah, I came on board for two months, and we cut a work sample, a fifteen-minute work sample that. Um, you know, we didn't know if we were going to get the money to cut the film. So I went on, worked on another job, and about six months later, so John, I mean, we stayed in touch, you know, but he, the word came through that we had gotten some. Yeah, we got, we have a, we got a MacArthur, MacArthur Grant and, and uh, public television funding, ITBS, which was like, yeah. just a dream, like you never think that would happen, but yeah. it came through, and then we were able to start up again, and, yep. you know, last Mart over, well, I don't know, I'm so confused. I'm so about confused what day, about where what I, I am. What, I know. What when when we did we what, started yeah. up again, and then you know, and then we, we yeah. So up. the money came through, and we and then we and then we were able to to really focus on cutting the film. And then figuring out like what storylines over a decade's worth of material. Obviously, like PJ and the shooting factors strongly, and mm -hmm. the son with cancer, but the the. I'm sure there's so many things you had to jettison that you like really cared about and were, were such important storylines. How talk about the process of, of honing it to a feature length. Well, I think there was like a the goal was always from the very beginning um, to create a film that created a connection between a viewer and this family um, that sometimes felt disconnected. Um, but I think I set out initially to just make this quiet portrait of the family. I knew there was this studio aspect. I knew there was the paper route, and, and then maybe just some like everyday footage of like taking you know the kids to school and having breakfast and dinner, and then. You know, it was, it was only years into when the sort of the, the crises happened with William and PJ. Never would have expected that. And in some ways, like, it was just like, wish none of that ever happened, you know, for them to have to go through that. And then also, like, how do, how do I tell my quiet story now um, and rather than this, like, sensational story? And always wanted to kind of always have it be about them and their sort of emotional experience and not just, and have them be defined by on their own terms as opposed to by what happened to them. So that was a challenge when that stuff first happened and probably why I filmed for many years after those initial, you know, kind of um, crisis moments. Yeah, and, and I think when John and I started talking, I mean, we were very much on the same page about that, not wanting to make a gun violence film, just feeling like, why would we do that? It doesn't define who they are and um, it doesn't define their lives. It's this thing that happened in their lives and... Um, but how do we how do we make a film where, yes, that is a huge dramatic turn in the film that is helpful in terms of structuring, but we didn't want that to be the heart of the film. We wanted their lives and their, their love, resilience their love, their and their love and their um, everything that comes after really to to be you know sort of the focus and so I think you know when you're when you're figuring out what kind of projects you want to work on, and when you're talking to directors, you know these are the things you talk about and the things you look for in potential collaborators that you're on the same page about what you want to do with the material. Because I mean, I think we could have taken it in a different direction, and we were we didn't want to sensationalize it or treat it in a way that felt shallow and expected. So. I hope we didn't do that. Yeah. Two kind of brilliant choices um, for me that 
in terms of figuring out a structure for the film or how you're, you're assembling it, the use of, of voiceover, mm-hmm. hearing Quest narrate his own story, is that just I, dialogue taken or was it, was it written to narrate or patch things over? And then the other thing that like just strikes me every time I see it is interspersed throughout um, these, these events we usually see on a television mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, Obama's inauguration, Hurricane Sandy, Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. um, that just connected to everybody in the audience mm-hmm. who also lived through those things. Mm-hmm. And it's like a way to connect to the family. Like, you know, we all kind of lived through that together. And that kind of being this brilliant, like, through line mm-hmm. to, to tie them. Can you talk about finding those ideas? Well, I mean, John is a, like, master observer. And I think as my job as an editor is to slow down and watch closely and the directions in the footage, you know. And he recorded all those things. And I responded to them as I watched the material. And... To me, I mean, just like stylistically, I, you know, I tend to not use a lot of tags and time, you know, years and all of my work. I would prefer to find organic ways to, and more textural ways to um, bring those moments or those indications to the audience about where we are. Uh, to life. So, like, I, I think of those things as, like, temporal signposts in the film, you know, a way to kind of anchor you, you know, where... But you don't you don't always need to know exactly where you're at. You need, a, you need, like, a general... You need to feel grounded enough to follow the story, but I'm always very um, nervous about, like, giving the audience too much direction about where we are, and so I think... Uh, you know, we we wanted to do those subtle things that felt like a lighter touch than, you know, a maybe more conventional mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, and and with the, like the voiceover thing, so that was interview stuff. So I maybe post questions, and and some and maybe some of it was just sort of conversations that happen because you know sometimes like I'm just hanging out and just conversations kind of develop. Um, and, and probably, like, as a filmmaker, just have a film that was, like, purely observational, you know, might be, like, my, my aesthetic. But, but it's, like, the goal, again, is to connect the audience yeah. to these people. And so that voiceover allows you access to their interior life. And no, no matter how many times you watch them or whatever, you're not going to get maybe some of those pieces of information. And so I thought that was important to kind of weave in, um, you know, in small, small ways. And, and that, that's the kind of stuff that you don't know until you do your first pass on a film and you start screening it with audiences. Because I, I think, you know, we're both, like, very... We love Verite, and, you know, as much of the story you can tell in kind of the present action, you know, that's, for me, the exciting part of watching films is, is being in the moment with people. But it's very hard to carry a story uh with just that and so i always find that there are points of confusion when you start screening it with people or they're wanting more detail or they're they're just they need a little something else and i think we we realized you know when you start to screen it you see where your holes are and that's where you can start to weave in some of that like john said the interior life and um and i think it's helpful but then it's always that you know, challenge of finding the right balance of um, just enough so that the audience is there and going along, but not so much that it's robbing the verite material of its power as well. 
But yeah, we want the viewers to be able to participate and have their own thoughts and, and not to really tell you too much what to think, but present you with this and then you have your own experience, you know, so. I think maybe one flaw in like film, you know, festivals or, or screenings is there's this fixation on the director in such a collaborative medium. And when I first saw this film, you were presenting it in like a 2000 seat auditorium with the Rainies and your whole crew. And that collaborative element really comes across. And now it's just like three white folks sitting on the stage yeah. <laughs> talking about yeah. the movie. Yeah. So I remember PJ saying afterwards, somebody had asked like her thoughts on it and she was really embarrassed by her, the clothes she wore when she was younger. <laughs> that was her main takeaway. Right. If the Rainies were here, what would, the, how would, if somebody asked them how they feel about this film, do you, do you know what they would say? Yeah. Well, I can try to repeat back things they have said. Um, and yeah, it's always best, because it is a cloud. And then also we have a producer, Sabrina Schmidt-Gordon, was another key person that had a fresh perspective when me and Lindsay were just you know, watching a cut for the 50th time. She was able to come in with fresh eyes and um, perspective. And, um, but I think that, yeah, they would all have maybe slightly different answers, but I think, you know, PJ... Um, what she'll say is that, you know, the film sort of allows her to put sort of this tr crisis of tragedy of the shooting behind her. It's like, now this is in the past, and I can move forward. And she's able to use this thing that she went through to sort of, you know, kind of bring her strength to others. And, you know, so many people have come up to her after screenings and have just been inspired by her. And so um, I think that's, and she will say, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like not about the sexuality stuff or whatever. She's not embarrassed by that. It's just like, oh man, when I was like, seven years old and I'm wearing this like shirt like that. Ma Quest would say that like if I knew this was gonna be like a real movie, I would have got my hair done more. Um, you know, and but she's gotten Ma's got Ma got real emotional at True False about the screening. I don't know if you were at that one, but she said it made her realize how much they they've been through and it gave her a real appreciation and thankfulness for I don't know. Yeah, so it was really mm -hmm. touching. Totally, yeah, she, you're, she's reminded by like what they've been through and they're strong and it gives them an opportunity to take this hard stuff and, and make something good about it. And the reality is, is when PJ got shot in 2013, I thought like we had 20, 2008, 2012 bookend the film with you know Obama getting reelected. Um, and so I was actually editing at that point and this crisis happens and I like, you know, kind of heard about it, um, reached out to the family um, and, and Quest was like, I was like, what can I do? What can I do to support you? And he was like, come and be here. We want to make something good come out of this. We want to, you know, we've, they've already invested five years of their lives into telling the story. And they knew that this is an important part of who they are, what they're going through. And they were the ones who brought me into that hospital room. And so it was something that they wanted, you know, to do from the beginning. And that was her mom and dad at that point, PJ's mom and dad. And then, you know, when she came in from the stoop into the house, you know, I was very aware of like, here's this like very vulnerable moment. Here I am with a camera as people are, you know, saying, oh, you're still pretty and it's really driving her crazy. And so when she's back in the house, like I'll never forget this. I was just like, you know, I put the camera down. I was like, PJ, like, do you need some space for me? Like, you know, totally happy to get out of here and whatever you need. And she's like, no, John, I know you, you know, you're cool. Like whatever. I was like, okay, all right, I'll get back to work. Fine. You know? And so that's sort of what it's been like. And it's been, you know, it's been, 
the we, reason we made this is to, to build bridges, and that's been happening. And that's this is just the beginning, really. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of work that we need to do as a society. We hope that this can be a catalyst to get people to care about these issues that in, impact really American families' lives. Um, and so we're building an impact outreach campaign around the film beyond festivals and, and screening series. We're looking to bring the film into the neighborhood. We've already screened in North Philly in the neighborhood, and, and we're looking to continue doing that. In, elsewhere in Philadelphia, but in other cities like it, um, and partnering with organizations that are addressing the social issues that you see in the film. So, um, you know, kind of just take, following the Rainey's lead of trying to build community and strengthen community by deep long-term investment. Are there any questions out in the audience? <laughs> so just so people can hear, at what point did you decide to stop shooting and how? When we found out we got into Sundance, I think. Yeah. When well, we what, like, after we, after we like... after we screened at Sundance, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I've I've filmed some things since I, PJ graduated from high school a couple months ago. I filmed that. Um, PJ did a performance after a screening. I filmed that, so I'm still filming. Um, John was still filming while we were. I mean, like. I was still getting shots in like over Christmas before we locked. Yeah, yeah Lindsay wasn't happy about it, but then no way, it's I fine. Whatever, You're, it's fine. <laughs> I mean. It's stressful making a movie. Did did the Rainies ever give you feedback on footage? Yeah, so we, you know, we had um, again. We there are many versions of the film that we screened even publicly in like small little context in Philadelphia um, over the years, and so. You know, I, we talked about what we were doing, you know, even early on in like 2007, 2008 um, about this. And so, and then we did show them again the final version of this before Sundance and talked about it. And in terms of, you know, kind of actual feedback of like, you know, I'm not comfortable with this or whatever, it's like, I think there's that comfort level even in the t while we were filming um, for the most part. So, like, PJ, you know, did have a girlfriend for a period of time and she was like, all right, that's my boundary. You know, I don't want you to film with me, my girlfriend, or or whatever. And so, like, I, I respected those boundaries um, that they sort of put up. But for the most part, they were like, we want to kind of open our lives up because we want to be known. Um, and so, I, like, Quest will say now about like the guy who is at the at the rally. Um, the uh, that like yeah, hey, I think he goes like the part that he talks about like you know Meek Mills and Jay Z. Where are you at now? He's like. Uh, I don't want to alienate Meek Mills and Jay-Z necessarily or, or whatever. So, you know, and, and so maybe that's me as a director kind of putting in that thing of like, let's value local community, local artists above, you know, kind of these national artists that are maybe less, you know, connected or whatever. But I feel like that's maybe the only kind of big thing other than like, oh, my hair didn't look that great in this, this shot or, or whatever and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, the question is, that, why does it look like everything is filmed in the summer? Um, I think there's, you know, so there's definitely the one scene where there's a, a, you know, snow. A lot of it was filmed in, you know, the winter. Philly sometimes is like the winter is not snowy. It's just bitter cold. Um, and so there was definitely some scenes that were, you know, kind of, you know, throughout that were probably more fall and, you know, maybe wintry. And, and there was like stuff that was just, there's a lot of interior shots too. So it'd be hard to tell. Like, so some of that, the radio show and in the studio was in, you know, kind of colder weather, but it's not so clear from material, but I was definitely filming, you know, year round. And there's like, you know, again, there's a lot in terms of like footage, I have some like amazing, you know, snow footage of him delivering papers, you know, in the snow. And it's just like, you can't put everything in, um, you know, into the film. So, um, so I don't know if it was intentional. I think we just go by the scenes and then let the scenes tell the story. So did Quest have a regular radio show appearance? Because he's on the radio more than like 
Tony Booba's on Pittsburgh television. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so with the radio, and that's the thing, we don't explain everything. We just kind of immerse you in the in the world. But you know, Quest initially, that first scene in the radio, he was invited in as a guest. But then Dave Barnes, the host, just felt like Quest is so connected to the neighborhood and, and maybe more connected to the youth. You know, AM radio is more of a, you know, kind of an older audience. And it's like maybe Quest could kind of bring this connection to the, you know, a younger audience. And so brought Quest in as a co-host. And so every Sunday, um, there's a, a show called New, A New World View um, on 900 AM WURD in Philly, uh, Philly's black-owned radio station, and, and Quest is a co-host on that show. Yeah, so the question was, would we show the film in the neighborhood? And, you know, and so there's a question of safety, too. Like, I spent 10 years filming with them, and, you know, a lot of the footage is happy and fun and all this, and, and they try to weave that in to the film to see the sort of the complexity of there's a lot of happy and beauty, and it's not a war zone like the way that, like, Trump plays, you know, kind of says. Like, there are hard things happen, for sure. We don't shy away from it. It's part of the reality, but there's a lot of fun um, to be had. And so we actually screened in the neighborhood um, in August. So we brought the film into the community. It was our first screening in Philadelphia. We wanted it to bring it to their neighborhood, to, to them first. Um, and absolutely, we were looking to bring it to you know, other neighborhoods in Philadelphia, more stuff in North Philly, and then other cities you know, throughout. Like I've spent a lot of time, and, and that's the thing. These, you know, these aren't war zones. And so it's like, you know, there are contexts and beautiful things happening and in art spaces or community centers or schools that we're looking to kind of connect with to bring the film to, to have important discussions and looking to have diverse audiences come together and have a shared experience. And then maybe after the thing comes, you know, the thing's over, people are talking to each other and building relationships. Because I think that's how the world changes, through relationships. Um, and so hopefully the film can be a catalyst for that, people to connect to each other, human to human. So how does the film play in India? Uh, so, uh, for those who, yeah, I just came back from Mumbai, India for the Mumbai Film Festival. It was amazing to be in a, again, to have, again, this, this question of like, can we create a film that people will connect to that maybe you have no idea about North Philly or have stereotypical ideas about this community. And it, the screenings in India were amazing. Just, you know, the, the, the questions you know, that they had and the connection people just, they were like, send our love to North Philly, send our love to the Rainey family. And, um, and that's really been this, you know, it's this universal experience. We've traveled, we were in Switzerland, you know, almost the exact, in terms of a wealthy country and people connecting there and, and all over the place. And there's, um, it's been really satisfying to see people connect. And I hope that sort of that, that seed or that spark that's thrown goes beyond this single experience. We start to really reflect on our, our own lives, our own privilege, our own responsibility to build community and maybe follow in the Rainey's footsteps to really sacrifice over the long term, maybe when it's boring and quiet or uncertain or not very dramatic. Um, because that's, 
you know, watching a movie and then bringing about social change and deep human connection are two very different things. Um, yes, in the back. Yeah, thank you. you know, thank you for that, the comments. And just, yeah, Ma Quest is this amazing mother, this nurturer to her, her own kids, her own grandkids, but then to the neighborhood. And that, you know, is just a thing that I wanted to sort of highlight and honor um, and just sort of in, to inspire and challenge, you know, other folks. And I think that's something that gets lost. And, you know, when you have neighborhoods or places that experience tragedy, sometimes it's like, uh, people want to push away, but it's like, if you look underneath of that, it's like, look at how much love in the face of really hard, you know, hard times and like, how would I respond to having to deal with so many layers of, you know, difficult things and just, it's, it's really incredible. But, and also the question posed, what can we do as a society to alleviate some of these stresses um, that impact families very deeply and in, in some cases splinter families and, and thankfully the Rainies um, are an amazing inspiration of a family that sticks together through just so many, you know, difficult things. There's time for a couple last questions. Yes, from the front. Yeah, so ITVS and uh, PBS, um, you know, came on as one of our biggest funders. Um, and so uh, the film will, so they were very kind of, you know, hands-on and, you know, as we incrementally, you know, kind of were working to finish the film. Um, really excited. We're going to premiere the film next year on American Documentary POV. Uh, they do a lot of outreach, impact, you know, type of stuff, and uh, we'll be able to reach a wide audience through public TV. And so I feel like um, this this film is just a great match for their mission to sort of you know amplify um, underrepresented voices um, and to really kind of use media to bring about kind of connection and um, positive change in the in, in the world. And so um, they've been supporting for many many years. We're going to broadcast you know, uh, next year and really looking forward, you know, it's all of that. And you had to cut a different version for TV. <laughs> I don't brutal. know if you want to. Yeah, you want to talk about that, Lindsay? We had to cut, <laughs> so had to what cut. you saw, we had to cut about 20 minutes out. Yeah, for the we had TV to do version. an 82 minute version. For how, do you, how do you even cut 20 minutes out? <laughs> well, you know, initially I thought, oh my gosh, like I didn't know how we were going to do it, but you know, there's a lot of nipping and tucking. It's definitely a tighter, faster TV version of this film. We did it without losing any characters, which was important to both of us. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it still has all the, the good, you know, all the right pieces. It's just tighter. Yeah, maybe not as much like breathing room yeah, not, for not the quite viewer, as, but yeah. TV's a, a TV's different a medium different than beast, watching it. Yeah, so. Is there anything you like better in the shorter version? Yeah, there's a lot actually. I mean, I think I think I, I think what ends up happening is you there are things you lose that you miss, but then there are cuts you see that you could have made in the longer version too. But you know, it's like one of those things you just it's, you can't keep cutting. You gotta right. at some point you gotta put it yeah. to bed. No, so. it was hard. I'd want to see the longer version, but <laughs> but there is some some extra PJ drumming. My favorite shot of PJ drumming. I gave him his favorite shot. Yeah, it yeah. made it to the PBS because we couldn't so. have Price sing us out in the TV version because yeah. it has to be like forty-two seconds of titles exactly. Yeah. So John, I gave John the shot yeah. that he had been wanting for the. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, you get to make your director happy. Yeah. Yeah. Consolation prize. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes. Um, I was wondering if there were any additional event storylines that it was just like, oh, I really wish I could include you in there. If they were like, some really hard choices. 
There's always hard choices, right? But at the end of the day, it's like when you get down to that final round before you lock, where you're really having to make like the hard decisions, um, you know, you just have to trust you're making the right ones. And that often what I, I find what happens is you have these like babies, these favorite moments, but then you realize like you have something else in the film that is doing the same thing. It's like... It's like a different, it's like a different, it's like a variation of the thing that's already in the film and you love it, but you don't really need it. And so it's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, shots that I loved or moments that I loved that ultimately, you know, if it's not moving the for, the story forward or if it's doing something that we, it's already being done in the film, it just, it's got to go, you know, for the sake of the story and for, yeah. So there isn't like I don't think there's like a big character that we had to like leave out. I mean, maybe there were yeah, pe- no. there yeah. were other yeah. I mean yeah. No, there's there's hard stuff, but I think again we we made I think we made the right choices and mm-hmm. yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll like you know ten years from now I'll have a sequel and I can go back and maybe get pull some of these little moments yeah. or whatever. But it I is always film. like at the end, you know, like I have my babies, John has his babies and he'll like, you know, bring up something in the final hours and I'm like, didn't we already talk about that and decide that was not but then it'll creep back in and then or there's some, a shot. Some, some you're, sometimes you're you're dreaming about it. Like, <laughs> you dream eh, about yeah, it. This yeah. needs to come back. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One last question. Yes. Well, I think, you know, so in terms of the neighborhood, I was already sort of connected in the neighborhood before I'd met the family and already sort of fell in love with it. And, you know, but it's just, you know, those block parties, a lot of fun. You know, there's just a lot of fun, a lot of joy, a lot of laughter, you know, a lot of parents that are, you know, kind of taking their kids to school and picking them up. And, and I think, like, that's sort of my, my takeaway. And just, you know, in terms of, I said this, like, labor of love and, and love from the Rainey family towards me, it was also from the community, you know, towards me. Um, you know, as, like, yeah, this, this white guy who, like, you know, not knowing anything, be like, who's this outsider? What's this guy doing? And I think that Quest kind of, you know, kind of paved the way for me to be, you know, because he's so well-connected. So, like, oh, if he's with him, he's cool. And then I got to know everybody. I had this huge family in North Philadelphia, you know, including the studio guys, including there's many, you saw a lot of names in those credits. There's a lot of guys that don't make it in the film that have really been supporting me over all these years. And so my big takeaway is just all of these friendships that, um, you know, film, good, bad, whatever. It's like, I've got this, the friendships are the most precious things. And, and I mean, I'm just one neighborhood in North, so I'm not like, you know, totally like, you know, kind of helicoptering in. Um, and it's always been a two-way street, you know, and it's like the Rainies were at my wedding and my kids play with like Isaiah and, and stuff. And so it's, it's really the, the essence of this film is a relationship and the film has been an opportunity to just make friends with amazing people. And so just that's, you know, the takeaway, it's just the love, the warmth, the fun that you have in, in North Philly. And, um, just wanted to hopefully share that with all of you. So one last bit of housekeeping before we wrap up. Um, We still have screenings tomorrow, but you're our last guests of the festival. And um, you'll be able to see Quest in theaters in December, so spread the word for that. And then our first guests for the weekend were Steve Bognar and Julia Reichert, two filmmakers um, from Yellow Springs. 
And their next project is probably their most ambitious yet. And to wrap it up full circle, Lindsay is going to be editing their next film. I am editing. You're a, yeah, you're a, yeah. We are, in the we're, midst. We're in the trenches. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Quest was easy, 400 hours. This one's 1,000 hours, apparently. It's over. I don't know. Aubrey's here. My assistant's here. We've got, I think it's close to 1,500 probably. Wow. So and they're still going. They left just now to go shoot some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the life of a documentary filmmaker. No, but listen, I mean, it is, as an editor, you look, when I'm looking for projects, I'm looking for people like Steve and Julia and John who go deep with the, the people that they're documenting and are just committed on every level. And, you know, you feel that in the footage. There's a lot of footage you don't, you know, ends up, on the cutting room floor, but it's all a part of the relationship building, and and that's where you get the gold. You know, that's where you get the really good stuff. So it's been an honor to work with John, and it's an honor to work with Julie and Steve. Well, we'll look forward to that. And once again, thanks for coming and sharing the film and sharing the Rainies' lives. Yeah, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you.